Well, good morning again, and thanks for joining us here, and thank you guys who are joining us online today. Uh, we're glad to have you with us today, and we're starting a new series today. Uh, it's called Blessed, and we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes and walking through those from uh, Matthew chapter 5. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, um, you can go there this morning. And I just want to remind us, as you... Um, as you observe things in this world, um, horrific things that have happened this week, injustices, um, and you process these type of things, and you know sometimes we're distant from them, sometimes they're, they're right here with us. You just remember we all have um, a perspective in our life that's been shaped by life experiences and choices and things that we've done, and really, a question that we need to learn to ask ourselves is really a simple question. It's what, what do I see when I see? And I, I know that may seem a little uh, odd of a question, but it's a very important question. You know, what do I see when I see? Because sometimes the truth is we just choose to not look at some things and we carry on with our own little bubble and our own little life and trying to keep things happy and in a perspective with us. And then sometimes we have no idea what we're looking at. I mean, that happens. Uh, probably the most dangerous time is when we think we know what we're looking at and we have no idea what we're looking at. Uh, we can stick our foot in our mouth at times. Uh, but the truth is that God has a perspective that he wants to give us in our life. And when you begin to see things from God's perspective, you begin to see the blessings of God happening all around you. I want to be real clear. I think I'm a pretty simple-minded person when it comes to this, and I think that um, bothers people sometimes. Because I have, a, I have a core belief in the bottom of my soul that if we actually, all of us, and I know that it's never going to happen this side of heaven, were to truly live out the word of God as he intended for us to live life, that we would have life at its fullest and at its most abundant. And there's another core belief that I have, and it would look nothing like life looks right now. It just truly wouldn't. Because we live in such a broken world that it's hard to imagine what perfection would be. And then we see things that happen and we make judgments based on perspectives. And here's the truth that we know. God is a God of justice. He is not a God of injustice. And God will work for justice no matter where that is. And so you can trust that, that God will continue to work for justice and he is good and he will lead us to life if we will follow him. And maybe I'm just too simple-minded, but I just truly believe the more that we follow him, the more all these things in our culture, in our community, in our world will fall into perspective. And that's why the first words of Matthew chapter 5, sometimes I think we skip over them. But I think they're very profound for us, and they have a lot of meaning for us uh, when we recognize what's going on. Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of the Sermon of, on the Mount, and it starts with, that we call the Beatitudes. And this is what it says at Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. When he, he being Jesus, when he saw the crowds. Now I just want to stop right there for just a minute. 
when he saw the crowds. That's why I ask, what do you see when you see? You know, uh, I love watching my children do things that they love to do. And as a parent growing up, that meant going to, to dance recitals and baseball games and, you know, all kinds of different things like that. And uh, parents, I bet you know this, there could be a hundred kids up on that stage, and how many of them am I watching? One. I'm watching one of them. Sometimes I miss all that's going on because I have a limited view and perspective on the things that I care for. And I'm only seeing the things that are going on from the perspective that I have. And so when this says that when Jesus saw the crowds, here's something you need to understand. He saw the crowds, every single one of them. And so as Jesus begins this, he looks at the crowd, he sees, he knows each and every person in that crowd, he knows their needs, and this is what it says as it goes on. He went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and then he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice, for, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So there's something that those who know me, and maybe you're just getting to know me and welcome, but it's something I, I say often because I think it helps us with perspective of what it means to be a follower of Christ and what God is trying to do in my life. And I want to help people as they begin to try to adjust to what God wants them to be versus what they desire to be or what they were in the past. And I like to let people know that there are many things about following Jesus that make no logical sense. And I know you're thinking, I can't believe you just said that. But did you just follow the verses that I read? Blessed are the poor in spirit. That makes no logical sense. I mean, blessed are the humble. Blessed are those who mourn. I mean, th these things, if you think of them from a logical perspective, you go, that's not what I'm working toward in life. That's not what I want. And our logic is based on our incredibly limited perspective. When we see the world, we see the parts that we want to see. When God looks at the world, he sees it all. He sees everything that's happening. God's logic is based on what he knows. Our logic is based on what we know. Just let that sink in. Our logic is based on what we know. His logic is based on what he knows. And it really then begs the question, who are you going to trust in this? Our God is the omniscient, all-knowing. That's your big word for all-knowing. It's the omniscient 
creator God. He knows all things. One of my favorite and most cringy, if that's a word, passages is found in Job 38. It's not on the screen. I'm just doing this as a bonus this morning, okay? But Job 38, Job had been through some very difficult times And he had looked at the world from his perspective, and he had asked a lot of questions. And Job was surrounded with some quote-unquote friends (laughs) who asked a lot of questions as well. And then God finally shows up. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because you'll get the picture pretty quick. And in Job chapter 38, it says, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. He said, Who is this? that obscures my counsel with ignorant words. Well, thank you, Lord. Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Here's my first question. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know these things. Who stretched a measuring line across it? What supports its foundation? Who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Well, by the way, who enclosed the sea behind the doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and total darkness its blanket. When I determined its boundaries and put bars and doors in place. When I declared you may come this far, but no farther. Your proud waves stop here. You get the picture? God shows up, and he starts demonstrating that he has a knowledge and a logic about things that we will never comprehend. And so don't miss how the Sermon on the Mount begins. Matthew tells us that this begins that when Jesus sees the crowd. And when Jesus sees the crowd, the omniscient creator God sees each and every one of them. You need to understand that I stand up here week after week and I preach with the confidence not in me, but in that we have an omniscient creator God that knows your each and every need and that he's directing me to share words from his word that will touch your hearts and your lives and will draw you into a relationship with him. There's nothing I do up here on my own power. It is all through his logic and his knowledge. And then he proceeds in the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, which we will look at over the following weeks in more detail. But he proceeds to speak to the needs, to the hurts, to the desires, to the dreams, to the issues in every single life gathered in that crowd, and he begins to tell all of us in detail how we can know God, follow Jesus, and find life. I want you to repeat that with me. I'm going to say it, you say it. I can know God. I can follow Jesus. I can find life. That was a great rehearsal. Now you got it. Say it like you mean it. I can know God. I can follow Jesus, I can find life. That's what this is about. But here's what you need to understand. Following Jesus will turn my world upside down. Following Jesus will begin to turn my world upside down, and it will be the best thing that ever happened to you. 
Because as you begin to follow Jesus and he begins to change your perspective and turn the things over in your life that you've been holding on to, and he begins to encourage you to let go of some of these things and to hold on to him, your whole world is going to feel a little shaky. And it's going to be turning upside down. And you need to understand that that's exactly where the place that you need to be as you learn to trust and follow Jesus Christ. He will heal broken hearts. He will bring beauty from ashes. He'll turn mourning into dancing. God can make all things, all things work together for the good of those who love him and who live according to his word. It's a promise from Romans 8. God can take all of these things in our life, the sinfulness, the brokenness, the mistakes, the hurts, the past, and he can say, okay, this is what we have to work with. We'll start right here. You can know me, you can follow Jesus, and you can find life. We're going to start right here. You see, God loves you right where you are, but he has something so much greater for you in store if you will choose to follow him. And that's why he looks at the crowd and he shares those words. You know, this concept is all over Scripture, quite honestly. You see it in Job as he looks at Job and goes, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And the honest answer is, how could I possibly? And in Isaiah, Isaiah writes these words, for your thoughts, for my thoughts, I'm sorry, for my thoughts are not your thoughts the Lord speaking, and your, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth, making it germinate and sprout, and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. God is at work. And so when God leads you in your life to do something that you look at and go, that makes no sense, your initial response should be, thank you. Because if it made sense, it would probably be something that this world would already be doing. But God, since your ways are higher and your thoughts are higher and your desire is to lead me to a different life, thank you that you're leading me to act different, think different, be different, do different. Thank you, God, for guiding me to life. <laughs> think about it. It's, it's our sense, if it makes no sense, it's our sense that got us into the situation. It's our sense that got us to where we want to be. And if we want to find something great or something better, then we need to have a different sense to get us out of that. And so we need some of God's sense in our life to guide us. But as that happens, your life will begin to turn upside down. Things that you thought were one way or another. Blessed are those who mourn. What? How, how is this a blessing? Again, we'll get into that in the coming weeks. But not only will God turn my life upside down and he'll change my perspective and how I see things and how I interact things. You need to understand what's going on as well is that God can change my life from the inside out. And this is key. Not only will my perspective of things start looking different, but my behavior and my feelings toward things will become different as well. 
please hear me very clearly on this. God is not into behavior modification. God, God is not just trying to get us to do things. He's trying to get us to be, to be his. And so I, I'll just admit that I grew up in church sometimes believing that if I just acted the, the right way, that everything was going to be right. Now, honestly, there's some good things for, for acting good and for behaving correctly, but where's the motivation is, is the deeper question here. What we do can be a problem, right? The way we behave can be a problem. But the greater problem is why we do. You ever thought about it that way? What we do, that's an issue. Why we do, that's a greater issue. Because we all do things because there's something in our heart, there's something in our life, there's something in our experience, there's something in our brain that's telling us that this is what we're supposed to do and this is the right thing to do. And to be honest, what we see when we notice God's word beginning to penetrate into our life, we see that we are all in desperate need of a spiritual heart transplant. It's exactly what it is. Our heart is leading us in a very, very difficult way away from what God wants us to be. Jeremiah, the prophet, writes it this way, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. So you think about this again. When Jesus saw the crowd, he saw their hearts. He saw who they were at the inside. He saw what was motivating them to live the life that they were living. And so he doesn't just tell us now how we're to live. Well, let's fix this behavior and let's fix that behavior. He tells us why to live, which is so much greater than just knowing how. He, to see it and to know it. Here's the truth. You have to have it coming from the inside out. If you maybe have been someone who has viewed Christians from a distance, you've looked at what they've done or what they've not done, and you just stand and go, I don't know that I agree with this behavior or like this behavior or understand this behavior. There's something you need to know is that the only way that you're going to know how God can work in your life is when you let him into your life. Just viewing the things that are going on around us are going to lead us astray. Here's another thing you need to know about Christians, that none of us are perfect. So depending on when you catch us, we could have a really bad day. And you could view something and go, oh gosh, is that what every Christian is like? No, it's not. Is that what that person's even like every day? No, it's not. It's a very dangerous thing, and you can catch the double meaning on this one very clearly. It's a very dangerous thing to judge a group of people off the actions of one or a few. Amen? And so the only way that we are going to be able to follow and know God is when we see him working from the inside out. And I'm just going to go ahead and be honest with you again. It's the scariest thing in the world to let someone else control your heart. Because there's something naturally built inside of each one of us that wants to protect it and just keep it and hold on to it and keep people away from it. But God wants to change our hearts because he knows that if our hearts change and our perspective change and we trust him and we know God and we follow Jesus that we'll find life. 
So right behavior is not going to lead us to life abundant. Abundant life is going to lead us to right behavior. It truly is upside down and inside out. Jesus in John 14 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We don't earn our way to him. He sees us where we are and wants us to know him. That's why I love what Jeremiah wrote as well in, verse, in chapter 17, verse 14. Heal me, Lord. Amen. Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are my praise. That's our hope. That's what we need is to know Jesus and know that Jesus will give us new life. We can be forgiven of our sin. We can repent from our past. We can be healed and we can be changed. And when our hearts are made right, then we can walk the path to life. Maybe another way to think about it is this. Right character leads to right conduct, right? Right character leads to right conduct. Right attitude will lead to right actions. Those are the things that we need to understand. God's working on our character and our attitude and our perspective and our heart. He's not working on our conduct and our actions. He wants us to change from the inside out. When you get right on the inside of yourself, oh, there's the other trick on this too. Did you catch that one? We don't get to go around saying, well, they need to change and they need to change and they need to change and they need to change. And boy, that person really needs to change. When you get right on the inside of yourself, then you have the ability to be a loving light to others, pointing them to Jesus in love. Not walking around in judgment and shocked by all the things that are happening, but simply leaning on trusting Jesus as he guides us and gives us perspective and new life in this world. So Jesus sees you. He knows you. The question is, do you trust him? When you know that Jesus will lead you to life, by changing you from the inside out, then you will begin to live differently. I mean, look at what this says in Romans. It says, and not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Didn't I say earlier that there's some things about following Jesus that make no logical sense? I've never seen anybody go, yay, I hurt. But this is what, the, we, when we see things differently, we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope, and hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, when you begin to have God's perspective, you begin to see the wounds in your life, and we all have them. We all have wounds. But you begin to see the wounds in your life as an opportunity to simply let the faithfulness of God be at work. Because we can endure in his power and in his love, and he will see us through. Jesus offers hope for the hopeless. Look at his words as he addresses the crowd. Blessed are you when? When you're down. Blessed are you when you mourn. Blessed are you when you're humble. Blessed are you when you hunger. All of these are opportunities for you to see God at work in an incredible way. So the question for you this morning is really simply this. Are you willing to see things differently? Are you willing to see things differently? Are you willing to trust God 
with the things that you see in the Word? Are you, are you, are you really willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to follow your Word? Not just part of it. Not just the parts, hear me on this, not just the parts that make sense to you, but the parts that make sense to God, which is all of it. Are you willing to see things differently and say, God, I'm going to know you, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to find life? All of this begins by trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So hear me clearly on this. Believing in him, yes, that's a start. But following him, doing what he says, is what leads you to life. I want to pray for us this morning.